plenty of decks don't get to draw three cards for one mana. Well, I mean, all the good ones do. Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Matt. And we are back from our kind of extended hiatus. Um, it is entirely Matt's fault uh, that we yep. did not record last week. Um, he is to blame. It was um, a failure of planning on his part that that caused our absence. Um, but with that being said, we are here this week. We are here to record a podcast that I can already tell you right now is going to include pre-modern and Tarkov and farm life. But all that set aside for now. Matt, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing fine, I guess. Um, the reason we didn't record is my dad died on the day we were going to record. So we were also going to hang out and play pre-modern. I was really bummed out about that. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I, I next time my one of my parents dies, I'll try to schedule it a little better. Around. You could coordinate it, or at least like let me know it's coming. That's yeah. the thing. I just hey, like, I, I I've given you like six months notice. This motherfucker's gonna die. Soon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is, we tease, we joke. Obviously, it's it was very it's very sad. Um, unfortunately, Matt's dad has been going through some health issues for a little bit of time now, and in the politest way possible, this is this isn't necessarily something that was like a shock. Other than it did kind of just come out of nowhere that like he was he's kind of been on on a, having a rough patch and he's been starving. To death. <laughs> yeah. So to not to put too fine a point on it, uh, he had a a stroke last year, like a year ago, and he mostly recovered from that. And then he had six like six months ago had like three more strokes. Yeah, like boom, like one after the recover. other, right? Yeah. He had basically had three strokes within three weeks or a month yeah so and he, he basically couldn't eat and he I, he refused the eating tube didn't he like he just yep he, he refused he the feeding tube um would barely eat anything and like i said he basically just starved to death and uh yeah finally died of what i'm assuming would be like heart failure i mean the last time i was up there he could barely cough mm-hmm. um so, so. matt Took a couple days and went up and got some affairs in order, got them taken care of. But uh, thankfully for us, what matters to me and to you, the listener, is his dad can only die one time. So we're good. Yep, I suppose that's true. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Has anything else been going on? Um, Anything maybe less Debbie Downer? Well, well, we had, we had, have we recorded since... New Year's Eve when you were over and we played Ready or Not. No, we. Um, I say this episode could be very long, or we could space some of the stuff out over a couple episodes. So, uh, we, we were gonna take a week, or we were gonna record before New Year's for Christmas. We were gonna take New Year's off, and then we had to skip another week because uh, stuff came up. So, nope, no one's heard anything from us since since twenty twenty three. Right. So, first episode of the year. Um, yeah. So on New Year's Eve, we played Ready or Not um, for like ten hours. <laughs> Yeah, we played it quite a bit. Uh, it was about eight, I think, looking at my Steam time on it. Um, I, I do I do love that game very much. I was very happy that I was able to I kind of talk Matt into buying it. I basically kind of put it on sale for him, sort of. And uh, we had a LAN party. Uh, uh, one of our friends, Bernie, got to come over. Well, he didn't come over, but he he's, he's uh, came in on Discord. And yeah, we rolled around playing Ready or Not all day, and it was a lot of fun for yeah. me. I don't know if Matt had fun, but I had a great time. It's one of those things where, like, I had a good time. I would probably get the give the game in its current state like a six out of ten. Like, There's it has a lot problems. of problems, <laughs> and like, yeah. I haven't played it since. And it's one of those things where, like, 
I'm not saying I would never play it again, but I would never play it by myself. It it's, yeah. in its current state. Like it's just you can look it up on YouTube. The AI is broken both on your team and the bad guys team. It's just a broken mess. So, for like, how incredibly punishing and difficult the game is, like they're it's just too much. They're too tuned up. They're too crazy. Well, yeah, and I would hesitate to even call it tuned. Like it's not like they do too much damage. They can see through walls. They're unaffected by flashbangs. Um, there's issues. So one of the things I saw today is, uh, so the because I'm still on the subreddit. So the guy throws a flash grenade at a door to bounce it off right uh-huh what he sees is the flash grenade the fat flashbang bounce off the door explode and then he goes in and the guy who's in there is surrounded by smoke from the flashbang and then instantly shoots him he's totally he unaffected by it right well what actually happened was his grenade went through the door he, he watched the replay because the game uh-huh. automatically records replays which heads up if you're having some performance issues, which the game has plenty of, um, turn off all, it automatically records every match on your hard drive. <laughs> like, yeah, I need to go we clear that off. For like eight or nine hours, and it recorded almost a gig of fucking footage on yeah. the hard drive. Uh, that being said, he played the replay, and what happened is the grenade actually just went through the door, landed on the other side of the room. And oh, so it didn't. So that's probably because we had that happen several times where, like, we would flash a room or whatever and it just felt like they were unaffected. It's just not tracking where the flashbang goes correctly on my screen. Like, that very easily could be it. Now, there have been other instances where they're just not affected by them. Same thing with gas, same thing with smoke. Gotcha. Smoke is completely useless against them. <laughs> like, they just, the same yeah, thing. They, like, they can see through it. They can see through it. Um, I have had people talk about. Like, because it's kind of so gas. The it's basically like like tear gas is the meta because it has the biggest spread. But the problem is you can't see through it, but the AI can. So yep. like, it's the best to use, and there's also like a, a massive real, downside, a real downside to it. Yeah. Not to mention you have to be wearing a gas mask instead of a helmet, right? Uh huh. So yep. like, not only are you disadvantaged in the moment as far as your visibility goes, you also have you can't wear one of your best pieces of gear. Yeah, so your headshot, you're a lot more prone to instant headshots. Yeah, which is pretty common against this AI, because yeah. there's no uh, another thing. There's no time between, um, like if they don't have their, like if they're just kind of walking around and their gun's not at the ready. It's just if they, as soon as they track you, which they can see through any part of the, like they can see through any. They can't see through walls, from what I understand, but they can see through any gap in. Uh huh. Uh, any physical structure and they can hear you through walls and shit like that so like if the if the floor doesn't perfectly align with the wall where that 90s together and there's like a pixel gap they can see through that uh-huh. so they almost always just know where you're at yeah it's really hard to take corners <laughs> i love the game and i have played a ton of it i haven't played it recently because i just really got on a tarkov kick recently like ready or not got me back into Tarkov. Um, I still love the game. I still would love to play it more, but it like, it definitely is a little rough. And one thing to keep in mind that while all those things are true, that it is a little rough, like we were, we're still doing missions that are supposed to have like four people. Like we're supposed to have four or five people. You and I were trying to two stack some stuff and 
Like, we got our shit kicked in for hours on end straight doing like the same we, missions. I was going to say, we were doing really well until we got to that last one where, like, yeah, the half, the, half the mansion is just glass. And uh-huh. they can just see right through you or right through the glass and, like, auto aim and, and that, all kinds of shit. There's also that, like, upstairs area that, <laughs> like, the tactical advantage should be the, the, to be us up top but it's not like down below we're fucked because they shoot down and kill you instantly and then up above we're fucked because they shoot up and kill you instantly yeah so there's just no tactical advantage whatsoever there yeah it's it's one of those things where like it's fun i think primarily the biggest reason i was able to have fun with it is i wasn't taking it super seriously it'd be one of those things where like if i was and that's one of the reasons why i don't why i won't play it by myself is i would get legitimately pissed off because like that kind of stuff just does upset me and for whatever reason mm-hmm. when i'm playing yeah. with other people it just doesn't like i just i'm like whatever so because it's just more about hanging out then it's like yeah this is what we're doing but i don't really you know i'm more interested in having fun and you know it's funny when we get screwed over and die when we get screwed over and die not when it's me <laughs> yeah <laughs> after when i get off of work <laughs> Trying when to you're have, trying to win. Yeah, trying to win. So, like, although, to be fair, I barely play any games anymore where I'm actually trying to win. <laughs> like, it's, I say it's a lot of fun. And that's, the most fun I've had with that game is with a couple friends and, like, just running into a brick wall over and over and having fun and goofing off. And, like I said, just not taking the game seriously. And that's actually how I've, like, started enjoying Tarkov a lot more. Is I just don't take the game as seriously. It's just a bunch of whatever. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the... Uh... That experience is a lot like like raiding in an MMO where you're just like, well, we've got 15 people or 25 people or however many people, right? And none of mm-hmm. us have ever done this content before. And it's quite hard. <laughs> so you're like, okay, yep. run in, die. Let's Who just, fucked up let's this find, time? <laughs> let's find all the ways to die. Yep. Well, and, and the thing is, is like you can, with something like that, say you're doing like a raid and you've got 10 people. Like, a 10-person raid in WoW, typically speaking, has two healers. If one of them just stands in the wrong spot for, like, five seconds, your raid wipes. Uh-huh. Like, it's just like, yep, well, one guy fucked up for five seconds, so we lose. Start <laughs> over. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's just like, all right. Which is kind of how Ready or Not's gone, where, like, we're doing fine, and then one of us fucks up for a couple seconds, and it's like, oh, fuck, we died, so... I guess we do the. I guess we do this again. Yeah. So, yeah, we did that. Um, I have currently 15 pre-modern decks put together. Uh, oh my god, that was so much fun! I had so much fun playing pre-modern. Yeah. So, I'm still I, working uh, on more, but I'm kind of running out of cards. I cannot wait to go back and play more pre-modern. We we hung out for a couple hours. I basically had a. Uh, it was the, it was a Saturday, so Sarah was working, and I had to work. I I work every other weekend now. But I got off work, and I was like, eh, I'll go chill with Matt for a couple hours. Sarah's not home anyway. And we just played pre-modern for, like, three or four hours. And we would, like, I played Stasis a bunch, and I was like, let's play something different. And then I ended up playing Stifle Knot a bunch and drew every single Stifle effect and no Dreadnoughts. And then uh, I played, I think I played something else before Madness. But I know I played Madness, and that was really cool. And I did get to use Survival of the Fittest and have a lot of fun with that. Yeah, it's a fun card. It's a pretty cool card. And to be perfectly honest, it doesn't even feel broken. It feels like appropriately strong for pre-modern. Like mm-hmm. cuz it's not even well, it's cause you're, for the sure cards not you're going even to the get best thing you can like, do. I'm going to get like 
what's the what's the madness creature blazing? Yeah, you're getting basking rootwalla. Root basking yeah. rootwalla. Yeah, blaze, the new ones. I think blazing rootwalla. Yeah, that's but yeah. I'm getting one. basking rootwalla. Yeah. So whoop de doo. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, the the fun part about it is just, was that nothing. I should say nothing, but like a card resolving or sticking doesn't just end the game. It's not just over. Well, yeah, even um, even like if you're playing stasis. It's just like, well, you can resolve your stasis and get it, but like you had to, you had to kill me, right? Like your deck did yeah. its thing; it's, I, it's got me locked down. But I can I don't prepare really, for it, and you still have to kill me. I don't really appreciate that. Uh, stasis is the deck I want to play the most, and I thought about buying, and I really do. It's really fun to play, and I like it a lot. And the two decks I got to play Stasis against are probably unwinnable matches, so that was really cool. <laughs> <laughs> paired stasis against elves which elves just untaps its shit at will anyway so missing the untap step is kind of rough for it but whatever it slows um, it down but it doesn't stop it that's for no sure. <laughs> um and against some stupid reanimator deck matt built that runs that what fairy uh it's putrid imp yeah a, a discard outlet so like the whole point of the deck is i have to kill you with this stupid black vice and Matt's like, oh well, I have seven cards. I'll just discard three cards. Okay, you can go. Yep. Oh no, those three cards that I discarded. Yeah, they're definitely fatties. I'm gonna reanimate. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Even if, but like there were like. Even if game... it's not, it's just like I'm gonna yeah. pitch these and not take damage. Yep. Well, like I had. Well, I looked at. I had plenty of times where I look at my hand and I'd be like, well, you know, I've got uh, a couple of counter spells. Like the odds that he gets a reanimation spell through were pretty low. But it doesn't fucking matter. I can't kill him. It's impossible. Yep. The only thing I have to and the only outs I had were to chain of vapor, the imp, and then counter on the way back down. And I'm assuming you have four imps. Yep, for sure. So like, it's not unwinnable, but it's it's rough. We played we played that <laughs> ma- we played the elves match like twice because neither because we I don't know I don't know what matches are unwinnable or not. I don't know what match. So we're just kind of playing stuff and throwing it up. And we played elves a few times, and I was like pretty sure i can't win this i'm gonna try a different deck and matt was like me too i brewed up this really cool reanimator deck i don't think anybody's playing it and we played that once and i was like yep pretty sure i can't beat this one either matt (laughs) dude that fucking hand i had the perfect nine that was all that was all no you didn't no 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 No, you had a good seven and then carefully studied into that's what i mean i had like a good seven and then the top two cards were exactly what i needed for i it was turn was that turn that was turn two a chroma i think pretty sure yeah because it was turn one i careful studied got the yep. i drew two lotus petals off the top popped them or dropped them because uh, i forget what you were playing but they needed to come i think down it was with. turn one i think it was i think it was turn one or i might have gone first but i think because because oh, yeah, you... it was i didn't reanimate i cast that uh stronghold gambit right no no or... you you reanimate you care about I... but you had but you had lotus petal lotus petal and i think dark red yeah, it was Lotus Petal, Lotus Petal, Dark Rit. Uh, unmasked. Don't forget, you also yeah. had, you also had um, an Unmasked. <laughs> yep. And then which, you exhumed. Yep, which no one fucking plays in pre-modern. And then so. hit me like four times with a Chroma. While yeah, I looked, while just I dropped and like, a Chroma. And, and, just punch, punch, in, punch, punch. <laughs> like in the deck, in Stasis' defense, I did look at like nine cards. between. I like I cast like Portent. I think I gushed once or twice. I looked at a lot of cards and couldn't find a Chain of Vapor, but... I was I was okay losing that because that's that was a pretty that was a pretty good sequence to watch. Yeah, in the long run, like if you stick with stasis, obviously, 
we haven't played enough games to really be like, oh, well, you know, we should be doing this or we should be doing that. But, like, it feels like Stasis should be, like, 95% blue with a splash of white for Swords of Plowshares. Yeah, like, I I really, really would like some kind of... Or, or even, like, 90% blue, some Swords of Plowshares, and maybe, like, a Supreme Verdict or two. Yeah, something... Like, I would love a catch-up card. I would love well, a catch-up card. It'll be Wrath of God. There's no Supreme Verdict, but... Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, but yeah Wrath of God. <laughs> no uncounterable wraths <laughs> here, dude. <laughs> now, to be fair, the matchups you're playing it against, you, you'll you be playing it in. They're not going to be countering any countering yeah. it anyways. I definitely, definitely be, Wrath of God would be a sideboard card. But yeah. there's, and there's a couple of sideboard cards in that list that you brewed that I don't really, I probably wouldn't do. But I want to get another, you know, five or ten matches in before I start really tinkering with the cards in the deck or the cards in the sideboard. Yeah. And a lot of that stuff, like I said, is um, those lists were just pulled directly from a major event. So, Mm -hmm. like, I think probably 12 out of the, or maybe 10 out of the 15 decks were just pulled from that um, big pre-modern event um, at Eternal Weekend in Europe. So it was like 137 players. Um, So, like, the specific... Like, the sideboards are built to be an actual metagame, whereas our side our metagame currently isn't an actual metagame. It's just 15 decks, which isn't the same thing. So like no. when you're playing stasis or any one of those decks, say you wanted to run the gauntlet and just run against them all, like your sideboard's not going to be able to really line. There's going to be just decks. You don't have any cards to bring in against. You know what I mean? Oh like, yeah. So <clears throat> there's only so much you can do. Whereas if you if you know you're going to a deck, you're going to go, well, there's going to be a lot of Stifle not there. Like, like for example, if you took Stasis, you're actually bringing the kind of a rogue deck. Whereas, yeah. so you're going to be like, I need to beat Burn, Goblins, Elves, Oath, and, and fucking uh, um, Stifle Knot. Like, those are the top five decks. So within reason, you know what I mean? Like, so that's what you build your sideboard against. Yeah, but people aren't, yeah, Stasis only has like what a two or three a two percent meta share or whatever. Like no one's super planning on playing Stasis. Everyone's planning on playing, like you said. Yeah, twelve twelves for one or two, I suppose. <laughs> I think that was the only match I won was running Stifle Knot. Uh, I think you didn't you win the I'm, Burn versus Madness. I was on Burn. I might have Slide. also won Madness. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say I think we split the matches fifty fifty. Um, oh yeah, we did because. Because I drew two pyroclasms. That's what it was. Or not pyroclasms, pyrokinesis. Yeah. That's what it was. I drew I drew double pyrokinesis, so like I'd let Matt build a little bit of board and then just kill them all. And let Matt build a little bit of board and then just kill them all. And by the end of it I had like twelve life. Matt had two cards and I was like, Well, good luck drawing lightning bolt four turns in a row. Yeah. I'm uh the funny thing is we only touched like five decks, five or six decks. Uh-huh. Not much. Um I really want to play. So, like, I the reanimator thing I enjoyed, and I really wanted to play that. I am really excited to play the uh, Cephalid Breakfast uh, Sutured Ghoul list that I kind of mm-hmm. pieced together as well. It's, like, 95% a brew, and I tweaked it a tiny bit. Um, but, yeah, that's, like, Sutured Ghoul is, like, one of my favorite cards from back in the day. So yeah, we'll have to. My plan is hopefully we can hang out again this weekend. I wouldn't mind getting to it this weekend. Maybe recording the next episode if we'll see how we feel. But also just playing some pre-modern because I freaking love playing pre-modern. It's a lot of fun. It is. It's a lot of fun. It's it's a really fun way to play Magic, 
and it's very nice knowing that stuff's not really changing. I don't like there's a new set coming out, and I don't really have to worry about it. I don't care what new cards are being printed. I don't care what new sets coming out because pre-modern is pre-modern. Yeah. The uh, the the thing that I love about it the most, and it they're like these two things are related, but like I'm looking at this list, and while the lists the the deck lists aren't the, the exact same almost every single one of these lists someone played in our playgroup through middle school and high school yeah the strategy yeah the strategy so like uh brian loved goblins and burn obviously those two are highly related and enchantress like i've i'm sitting there watching enchantress be played on my lunch today at work uh-huh. and i'm just like I, yeah, that's his deck. It's a better tuned version of it, but that's his fucking deck. Because obviously yep. at the time he, you know, we're sitting there at like eighth or ninth grade. He can't afford, you know, every single card, but he's got a lot of them. Well, if you were like me, but like I just didn't buy cards. I, I seriously didn't know you could buy cards. It didn't even occur to me that. Well, back then you couldn't. <laughs> well, yeah. You could go when to I card was in shops. High school, <laughs> when I was in high school, you probably could. But yeah. you, you, like it didn't even occur to me that people would buy cards. I, was, I just thought like people open packs. And then you built cards or traded, and those are the decks. You, and that's just how you got a deck. Yeah. And so, like, he played that. I played a ton of elves, um, blue-green madness, uh, mono-black control. Um, Ryan uh, played uh, Ryan played all kinds of shit. Uh, like, he bounced around a ton. But, like, one of the tournaments I went to, he played, uh, like, effectively the rack that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. Um, Derek played Fluctuator, and uh, he. One of the things that's banned. <laughs> uh, so one of the things <laughs> Derek used to play with a bunch of cards that would that are banned in pre-modern and eventually were banned back then. He loved uh-huh. playing with artifacts. So like Urza's Saga, the Urza block was his just this fucking his wet dream. So yep. like. I'm sitting there getting, I'm trying to build this wacky mono black control list that kills with like cursed land, uh, cursed land. And he's going like turn two memory jar, take 26. <laughs> <laughs> those are, those are different games. Of They're magic wildly games. different games. <laughs> Cause like, well, the funny thing is, is they all paid attention to like the bigger magic scene than I did. Like yeah. I played magic and I enjoyed it, but like, they're like getting, you know, um, I can't even remember the names of the magazines. There were a couple big magazines back then. They're reading all those. Uh, a couple of them had internet access way before I did. Uh, mm-hmm. So they're like reading articles and looking at trying to find tournament results and like effectively net decking, not in a derogatory way, but like they're, they know they have in, they have access to information that I, A, don't have access to and B, I'm not really searching for anyways. Yep, and I'm just like, well, I've got elves. <laughs> the funny thing is, my elves lists look real fucking similar to what I used to play. There's just a couple different cards got tweaked because, like, I didn't even know Survival of the Fittest was a card back then, and if it was, yep. I wouldn't have been able to fucking afford it because it would have been twenty bucks and my <laughs> magic budget. So I had no, before I got a job, I basically had no money. I got seven dollars a week for lunch because it was a dollar yep. forty a day. And if I skipped eating lunch that week, I could have $7 to spend on cards. <laughs> That's how I played Magic. <laughs> That's how you started your addiction to Magic. Yep. Well, I started with other with di- primarily Derek's cards. Um, yes. But yeah, that's that's how I would sp- spend my money, is I'd just skip eating lunch. 
and buy cards with it. Um, but yeah, it's just like, it's one of the things like I'm, A, I'm looking forward to just playing these decks again because I think this, there's some parts of Magic's history that I think that pre-modern misses out on and I wouldn't want to add them. But like the Ravnica era is, the first Ravnica era is also fantastic. Mm-hmm. So like, I'm not going to say that like, you know, anything newer than fucking Onslaught is garbage. That's just not true. But like, there are other errors, but this one's really fucking good. And B, what I'm hoping for you, what I'm hoping that you'll see is like, this is why I'm so pissed off about how current magic is. Cause like, this is what I grew up playing and it fucking kicks ass. And then I like go to MTG goldfish and I'm looking at the fucking spoilers for this fucking Ravnica murder set thing. And the first thing I see yeah. is like, these cards are ugly as shit. Like the showcases, like it's every clue. card looks hideous. It's clue. I didn't even see. I didn't even looked. I, I saw the because they, they started spoiling them today. I think. Yeah, it's just um, fucking just dumb, and I'm just like this. Like, we are just not playing the same game, and I'm yep. perfectly okay with that. And to hundred percent, I. It's one of the things that like, I was real close to like getting on the heritage bandwagon. But even Heritage still lets stuff in from current standard sets. And it's just like, it's not, I think, fundamentally, the biggest issues I have are all the supplemental product products. But the, like, overarching issue is current magic design I just can't stand, even if it goes through standard. And I'm just Mm -hmm. looking at these cards. I'm looking at what they do. They're like, you know what Disguise is? It's Morph, but the creature has Ward 2. Like, that's what it is. Oh, they changed the text. They changed the font on oh, these, did... like, promos. Oh, the yeah, I know. Different. That showcase, those showcases look like shit. I can't stand that. Yeah, I don't like that they changed the, they, they changed the font on them. That's not a good like, idea. I, this is just my instinctual, like, gut reaction. But those showcases and the cards in this set are some of the ugliest fucking cards I've seen since, like, the Amonkhet, um, uh... What are those called? Masterpieces. Yeah, the the, the masterpieces. Like, Whatever. is that are they called masterpieces or something different? The, you know, the, the those were called invocations. The whole things were they were all called masterpieces. Yeah, and the invocations were. Yeah, were they're, they're memorable for how rough they were. Yeah, and to, I guess I should say, in a big release, there are secret layers like the stupid metal posters that you just can't even fucking read. Yeah, I don't like those either. I'm like, I'm not like, a big fan of that. They're just fucking. They look like shit, and they're completely illegible. So like, what? What's the point? Yeah, yeah, it's. Yeah, I, I was. De- th- those were the first cards I saw where it's just like that doesn't even look like a magic card anymore. Nothing about it looks like magic. Yeah. So I was just. Um, yeah. Pre-modern is the perfect mix of like to still play magic, not having to worry about the new stuff or the new card design or new card art. Yep. I uh, so I was sitting in the shower, having one of those shower thoughts, and I was like, you know, uh, basically I came up with this metaphor, and it's just not super groundbreaking or anything. I was like, just started thinking of like formats as like literal pools, like a swimming pool. I'm just uh-huh. like, you know, everyone, because we got a lot of pushback because we're always like, at least me, I'm always like really, I don't, let's say, I don't necessarily have a positive outlook on a lot of the new stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, well, I have this pool called Legacy, and Watsy keeps shitting in it. 
And the only <laughs> arguments I see or hear are, well, it's their format. They're allowed to shit in it. And that's not an argument for why you should shit in the pool, right? That's an True. argument for why you're allowed to shit in the pool. But it's yeah. not a pro-shit argument. <laughs> in fact, all you're really doing is admitting the fact that they're shitting in it. But that I shouldn't say anything because it's, quote, their pool. Yeah, and it's just they're, like... Yeah, they're, it's okay if they do that, Matt. Right. It's okay if they shit in your pool, in their pool. And to be fair, that's true. It's not like I'm sitting here going, oh, you know, we should, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm just going to go, well, I'm not going to swim in your pool anymore, right? Because yeah. you keep so, shitting in it. I'm going to stop going to the public pool. I'm going to go to a pool called Pre-Modern, <laughs> where occasionally a turd may pop up and we scoop it out. For example, yeah. they banned land tax a few months ago before we even started because it was... Uh, and this is not a new combo or anything, obviously, but it's land tax and scroll rack combined to make ancestral recall every turn mm-hmm. for very little deck commitment. Like it's pretty easy to get that going. Um, but they scoop that turd out, and then the format keeps chugging on, and no one's allowed to shit in the pool because there's a fence around it. <laughs> yep. So I don't have to worry about Judith Carnage Connoisseur coming in. <laughs> doing something I'd, stupid what's this up on the bottom this what, what's the clue edition are those legal cards are those tournament legal uh because they're like that's where like lead pipe is and undercover but they have a really weird set symbol i mean it's just a C, I guess but it looks weird and then they like i, I just i was looking through the cards and i there's this whole they had like the oh. triangle hollow stamp but those are legal now aren't they triangular hollow stamps dude are not legal but they're hollow they're legal i have no idea yeah, I don't either. Mastermind Plum. That's awesome. Yep. I don't have to care about any of that stuff. It's not, not relevant to me. Yeah. I The only reason I brought it up is I was... I, I keep checking it. I, I don't think they ever will. But whenever we pop on here, I A, check the legacy metagame to see if there's anything we're talking about. Because uh-huh. just for the people who might still listen... Like, oh, I know yeah, we've we... got some Discord members and whatnot that still... Yeah, we still have... We have still have legacy fans, right? So yep. I just try to keep my finger on the pulse there and b i'm hoping that eventually mtg goldfish although it's not really necessary will start to aggregate aggregate pre-modern um content because they do like pre-modern is we i think we picked the best time purely by accident because it's not like i saw anything like we didn't but like pre-modern definitely seems to be on the rise there's a lot of like um events that keep popping up and like new crews that keep popping up that are starting to fire off like one K's and shit like that, like on a pretty Uh regular basis. And it's gotten me to the point where like, once I get my feet back under me with like my dad and everything, because I'm still not a hundred percent. I'm not, we joke around about it, but I'm not at a hundred percent. Like I'm, I still have trouble sleeping and I've got all kinds of issues. Right. Once I get rolling again, he had half those issues before his dad died. Right. But they've just been exacerbated. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and assuming no one else that was the problem with fucking like with like alex and then derek and then my dog and i'm just like fuck off and then a year later now my dad i'm like i need like a year-long stretch where no one close to me dies can we <laughs> like the funny thing is we're running out of people so oh, yeah, that's, that's how it works <laughs> so it's just like well eventually they'll all be dead and i'll just fucking play magic by myself i guess but i'm i would what i would like to do is try to do something like what you primarily did and i tagged along with with mm-hmm. pioneer with pre-modern and Start see hosting if an event. Be, yeah see if between sage's shop or tier one whichever one 
see if there's an existing like crowd there and try to get something going because like I there's been some like flub games but so far every single game of pre-modern I've watched which I've watched a lot at this point mm-hmm. I mean I told you I was, it was not to it's like Monday I think I literally watched like YouTube for five hours yeah at work rough day at work <laughs> yeah <laughs> I was getting crushed right so I've that's what I've basically been doing at work when I'm when I've got downtime is I just watch pre-modern and like every single game I'm just completely in it like and I just like I finish a game and I'm like I want to play that deck mm-hmm. like I just watched fucking Enchantress versus uh uh Mulch uh it basically it's Terravor uh Oath of the Druids Terravor I don't oh, remember okay. exactly what they called it but it, they they put Mulch in the name because the guy runs two mulches oh yeah yeah so whatever um but it's just like mono green terravor and dude just fucking i've the past couple matches i've watched with enchantress is that deck not only looks fun that deck looks way way under it looks way underplayed like that deck looks does some gnarly shit every time i see it played it's like hey it's turn three and he's drawing two cards a turn Right, and then like, oh, and it's turn four, and he plays solitary confinement, and now he get, just take he just takes the next three turns off, and just is still going up on cards, and is not being impacted by the board, and then oh, someone killed his someone killed his solitary confinement, I guess, and then he plays elephant grass, and then he plays replenish, and like this game is done, right? That I did watch one guy, it might have even been the same matchup. It was blue green madness versus enchantress. Did you watch that? Yes. Okay, so that guy, I don't want to talk shit about him, and I'm not going to mention him by name, but he flubbed both of those games. He's got one reverent silence in his deck. It will mm-hmm. resolve. The, the The Enchantress player has no permission at all, right? Yeah. And instead of doing what you should do in that situation, which is, because he's got like elephant grass and solitary confinement, and his job is to punch in with fucking wild mongrel and basking root wallas and shit, right? Yeah. yep. He doesn't wait until he has lethal, clear the enchantments, and then swing in. You can't go, I have one reverent silence, use it, punch you for 15, you're at five, pass. Yeah. Because then you just lose. You have no other way of fucking winning. He's going to draw 20 cards a turn. He's going to draw his replenish, and it's not going to, you're never going to get in again. Right. Like, you have to go, okay, he's at 18, I have 18 power on the board. Now... Or, you know, if you want to be safe, because, like, let's expect to swords the plowshares here. Wait till you've got lethal, then destroy everything and swing. There was one game where, I mean, like, there's there's no winning, but, like, he was, like, clearly waiting to do an alpha strike, and then his opponent went parallax wave, a seal of cleansing. Yeah, and that one sucks. (laughs) That's rough, because he had, like, two worms and, uh, like, a wild mongrel and two root wallas, and the guy was like, yeah, why don't you exile all that shit, and then it's gone forever. Yeah, and I still have my Parallax Waves. Parallax Wave and Tide are all, like, they're, I don't want to say everywhere, because I don't have enough, know enough about the metagame to say that, but, like, they're played quite a bit. Because, like, you can Uh run them even without Opalescence. You just run something like Seal of Cleansing or, like, what, uh, there's bug lists that run, like, bug control, where they run Parallax Tide, the one that hits lands, and then um, Chain of Vapor, and just go one, two, three, four pop the last one or bounce it whatever i think it's like one two three four while those are all in the stack bounce it uh-huh. they're just gone forever then you just replay to parallax tide 
And it's just like... Yeah, it's that, that card's insane. Yeah. But yeah, that deck looks really, really powerful. It looks like a lot of fun to play. Yeah, Enchantress like seems really underplayed. So, um... And the it I've this very similar like the funny thing is I've had EDH decks that are really similar to a lot of these decks as well. I have an EDH Enchantress deck, and quite frankly, it kicks fucking ass. Like it's mm-hmm. it's a really good deck. It's not like C EDH obviously, because like that's just a whole other thing. But as far as like regular, not trying to combo off on turn two decks, it's good. Yeah, it's um, very very because like Enchantress is a very very strong uh, game plan. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, is, like, you have to specifically have, like, nuke all enchantments. Because one, one or two disenchants isn't going to cut it. Nope. Like, disenchant's a fantastic card. Disenchant and naturalize. See, play in, like, every deck that has fucking green or white. They almost all have between three and five, because there's other versions of them, disenchant effects, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like... Those still, that's not enough against Enchantress. It just isn't. <laughs> like... Jesus Christ. So to sidetrack a little bit, because um, I was scrolling through Facebook looking at some stuff, some magic stuff. Uh, someone has listed uh, Masker Girl, which I guess they printed her in this new, or I don't know when they printed it recently, but for some reason Masker Girl got a uh, numbered run where she's like out of 500. Yeah. And the number one of 500 is being listed. It's a foil. It's You can tell from the picture that it's already Pringled like fucking insane. Yep. Um, would you like to guess how much the number one ma- of 500 Masker Girl, which the card isn't even that good, is going for? Probably 500 bucks or more. You're hilarious. 2250 for a 50 cent card. Yeah. Well, I think it to was be first fair, printed in War of the Spark. When was it is, first is that the? Are you talking about the original Massacre Girl? The one that just, like, everything gets it's, minus one, minus one? Yeah, and then, well, it's okay. it's, a, it's three black, black for a 4-4 four, four with Menace. And then, yeah, when it ETBs, yeah. other creatures get minus one, minus one. And then when a creature dies this turn, each creature gets minus one, minus one again. Yeah. So it, he should okay. keep stacking them. Like, it's an okay card. It costs 50 cent. It's a bulk rare and the number one of 500 is being listed for $2,200. I'd be curious if that actually, like, who the fuck cares about Massacre Girl? I, I know, man. Like, that's crazy. That like, is so crazy to me. That kind of stuff's stupid anyways, but, like, so here here's something that, that it kind of touches on something I wanted to bring up. For the first time in forever, I actually can't buy a version of a card I want. And this, so, like, Original printing Grim Lava Mancer. Now, I'm sure there's other sites. I guess I technically didn't check Star City Games. Mm-hmm. Cool Stuff Inc., TCG Player, and Card Kingdom don't have them. Really? They are sold out. You want to talk about a rare fucking card? From, <laughs> what's the first printing? Uh, Torment? It's, yeah, Torment. There's 156 listings on TCG. I don't know what you're talking about, bud. It literally told me they weren't. they didn't have any. Well, maybe uh, TCG something. Maybe it was TC, fucked up this morning. TCG knows that you're a um, you're a cool stuff Inc. fanboy and doesn't like you, but they know. Well, that's that what I'm... I was, dude. I'm telling you, I was real fucking confused this morning because like cool stuff and Card Kingdom were both out, and I was like, uh-huh. how the that's fuck a is weird. That's TCG weird. Yeah, out? It's, it's a four. It lightly played. It's a four dollar card. Yeah, it's a well. I'm looking. So I've got them now. So I basically because uh, I wanted to get. It's not a big deal, and I'll get them eventually. But, like, 
normal, not foiled, near mint, because I don't buy, unless I have to, I don't buy anything but near mint cards. Yeah. In English. Yeah, they're five bucks. Uh-huh. Okay. That makes way more sense, because I'm like, then, what? Then unviable. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what the fuck is going on? I was so confused. I'm like, man, pre-modern must be fucking popping off. Sounds like a skill <laughs> issue to me, I'm just saying, I think. But, well, that's like that's why I looked it up. Was like when you said that, like Grim Lava Mancer's unbuyable. That makes well that copy of sense. It. Yeah, yeah, didn't yeah. like there was, and that's the thing is I was I went through multiple times because like just to show that I'm not a fucking retard. Like I did that. I looked at all the other versions. I went in and I actually looked at. So there's a a retro frame version of the newer yeah. art. I even found that one. Like I was looking. This wasn't just a like a casual glance. Oh, I overlooked it. Like. For whatever reason, their shit was fucked up. TCG <laughs> was under the impression that nobody had any for sale. I guess. And I was like, how the hell does that? Because like, there's a couple um, I noticed in my burn. I, I used them because they were the only options I had. But there yeah. was a couple. Uh, I've got that uh, way back in the day. I mean, we're talking like 10 or 15 years ago. They printed some like all foil decks. They did like elves versus goblins. They did a burn deck. They did a reanimator deck which you've probably seen like that those foil exhumes I have those yeah. are that's from those um I've got I had that and so I've got in that burn deck like a foil a couple foils cuz they they just what they were what I had uh-huh. and uh they do they're not like like it's not obvious to the casual glance but if you're looking for them you can cut to them and yeah. so I want to get them replaced um so, and it's mainly, it's not even just because they're bad foils. It's just that they're the only foils in a completely non-foil deck. There's like three in there. Yeah. So I was looking for Grim Lava Mancer replacements um, and Ball Lightnings. And I'm trying to get everything to match. Uh, I'm trying to also do this on the cheap. So I went ahead and bought the M12 Grim Lava Mancers, which is the new art. And not the oh, yeah. newest frame. It's got, it's still, so there's, obviously you know this, Jake, but there's multiple different frames even in the new frame. Like, yeah. I'm at least trying to get the one that has, like, doesn't have the black on the bottom. It's got the red all the way around. Yep. Um, which does look better. It's not great, but it looks better in my opinion. So, um, th- but those are a quarter. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'll get a play set of those. And uh, if I get around to it after I've got other stuff, then I'll get the five, I'll spend 20 bucks on some Torment Glim- Grim Lava Mancers. Dude, but, so I was looking through... Um, I built a, I went to Moxfield and I built a stasis list. I built the list you built just cause I, I kind of want to get a price of it. Like what it would cost to build like the pretty version mm-hmm. and the number of cards in this list that they don't, there's no old border or there's no old black border version makes me really freaking upset that like <laughs> what curse, like unless you're buying like alphas and betas, seriously, yep. there's no black border black vice. There's no black border curse totem. There's no black border stasis. Nope. I have to buy these cards and get a Sharpie. Which I will do. I no, absolutely not. I will get these cards, and I I thought about. I looked them up, and they're annoyingly expensive. I looked them up on Harayuya or whatever it is, whatever it is, and like I was gonna buy Japanese versions because there's foreign black borders, mm-hmm. but they're kind of annoyingly expensive, and I don't even know what it would cost. That's before shipping from yeah. Japan. But like, it really upset me. That there's so many of these cards that are. I'm just stuck having white border that I have to, I will, like I said, I will black border them. I'm not dealing with white border stasis. It's a $6 card. I don't care about it being damaged now. What you, the trick there, at least one of the things I did, 
personally like. White bordered carts in white sleeves look fantastic in my opinion. Just no. run white sleeves. Then I have to run them all white border, and the answer is no. <laughs> and just and the only reason I'm pointing this out is because uh, our friends, our fans are Magic fans, and they're, uh, let's just say, particular. Cursed Totem does have a black border, black bordered version. <laughs> it's from Mirage. There's six that it, I don't. I know you're just spouting off cards, but just so everyone knows, Cursed Totem, black bordered. Mirage. Yeah, you know why I don't count that one? Well, it's like three times as much. Because they're twenty four dollars a piece. Yeah, yeah, that's why I don't count. Well, that one. that's because they're black bordered. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't. You got to pay more for I mean, the pretty like, one. <laughs> like I can buy stasis and black border too. It's just I have to spend I don't know what a hundred dollars. Yeah, but I mean a twenty dollar card versus a hundred dollar card is that's there is a big difference there between Mirage and Beta. <laughs> like uh, I could get these thirty. I could get the thirtieth anniversary versions. Those are black border. If you want to spend money on that much money on proxies, I know they're so expensive too. It's stupid. <laughs> like I do not fucking get it, dude. Yeah, I mean beta I beta stasis is only four hundred thirty bucks, Jake. What's uh-huh. the problem? I only need four of them. Or I could get a uh, unlimited or revised, whatever this is, and uh, a sharpie. I'd go with fifth edition. The text is cleaner. I'll probably get whatever's cheapest. If I, I mean, when I go with. When I when I get one from uh, for my deck, I'll just get whichever one's probably the cheapest and go from there. Well, these are so the revised, at least market price wise on TCG, the revised is actually the most expensive, which is third edition. Fourth and fifth are about the same; they're within about fifty six of each other. Piece. And then fifth, yeah. Uh, yeah, and then fifth edition looks, in my opinion, the text is just better. It's got two sentences as opposed to one long paragraph that like yeah, so. Like, Mana Short's one of those, too. Like, Mana Short, I don't think it... I mean, to be particular, I don't think it exists in old art. Um, other than other than 7th Edition, which is $120 and only available in foil, yep. I don't Which that card why. probably looks fucking gorgeous. Oh, I bet it's great, but it's $120. <laughs> yep. Like, which is the cost of the deck. <laughs> there's a couple foreign black border versions, and that's it. Other yep. than the white border, so... Yeah, the deck, the way I want to build it, is going to be about 200 bucks. which what will probably happen is I'll probably build the cheap version for 100 bucks and then just slowly make upgrades over time. Yeah, But that's yeah. not going to happen until I kind of refine the list down and find what I like. Yeah. I, uh, I've... White Border never... Like, the individual cards never bothered me. It used to bother me a lot having them... Like, I really don't like having, an, like, a single White Border card in, like, an EDH deck. Uh-huh. That kind of thing. For whatever reason, I kind of like them. Like I, I, like I got, I just spent like Ugh. ten bucks on white bordered ball lightnings because, like, I'm the, again the other option is twenty bucks a piece on ones from the dark, but like, um, it just I don't know. It's part of it's just the nostalgia. Like, yeah, when we were playing in fucking middle school and high school, we were not out there buying alpha and beta mana shorts. I guarantee you that. Yeah. <laughs> so. I the the fucked up thing is the seventh edition one. Like I personally prefer the uh, the old art for Mana Short, the original one with the rose with the petal falling off of it. Um, I don't know which one I prefer or not. It's hard. Like the action of the seventh edition is cooler. It I don't know. It the 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 the, the petal's very abstract. It's very much. It I mean seeing that card, it feels like a like when did that get printed? Fourth edition is that the first? Um, Alpha. That's from Alpha? Mana Shorts from Alpha, yeah. That oh, art so is, it is from Alpha. Yep. Yeah, it looks like an Alpha 
card. Just like the art style where it's like, this doesn't, at face value, doesn't make a ton of sense. But a lot of art in Alpha didn't because well, to they, me, paid, they bought art and they had to use it. It's uh, flowers are relatively commonly used. Like, like when I look at that, I think of a black lotus. Like it's not a literal black Is lotus. Is that the, the comparison you draw? That's what it draw. That's what it evokes in my mind. Is like flowers. Like you've got lotus, black lotus, lotus petal, like lotus bloom. Like flowers are kind of relatively frequently used as a symbol for mana in Magic. I don't know. I think lotuses are. Are there any other flowers that get used as a as a mana source? Well, I mean, just lotuses. I mean, there's a, there's a thousand lotuses. Lot- that's a very well, well yeah. established thing. There's... But you've got the. I mean, the whole point of like lands in general like it's a flower it's it to me it's representative yeah i mean there's like but it's representative of what mana comes from now it's not something like with the seventh edition one you're looking at that and it's like in that mana is being depicted as a literal like energy source yeah which is very straightforward and probably a little more it it probably a little more what the card is doing because like mana short kind of like sucks the energy out of your opponent's lands well, in with the it does, but if you look at it though, it's sucking the energy out of the actual person. <laughs> the man is well, yeah. never in the person. <laughs> well, no, but like I, I, oh my gosh, we're gonna get into this argument of no, but like we're talking about what the art represents. Yeah, and the, yeah, I yeah, I so. think it's 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 a weird it's a weird stance in the and to take was like well, to, I I guess I guess I should say what I assume. The idea of mana in a game is, I guess your lands produce mana, but it's, the mana is, you are using the mana. The mana is in you to, I guess I, I guess I draw the comparison more to like a traditional, I shouldn't say traditional, this game first, um, a more modern mana system where you are expending mana from your pool. That's in you. That's yeah. in you to cast spells. And that, that to me is the difference is within magic, I associate, like, it's, it's almost one-to-one to me with mana equals lands. Like, mana comes from lands. It can come from other sources, but it's more, like, channeled through those other sources mm-hmm. rather than coming from people. And that's one of the reasons why, like, it's one of the things that makes, like, for example, elves special is elves can produce mana by themselves. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, people can't. Humans can't, in general. Like, yeah. it takes a special ability to do that. And to be fair, planeswalkers can't. That's the whole point, is, like, Planeswalkers draw mana from land and then channel it into spells. So, like, that's, like, again, it's just fundamentally, I think it's just a different understanding of how we view it as, like, mm-hmm. where it's just, like, I see mana short, and I'm like, that makes perfect sense to me. Now, I see the seventh, the seventh edition one also evokes that. It just does it in a different way. You know what I mean? Because, and to be fair to you, one of the things that definitely evokes a little better is it hits the empties his or her mana pool better, in my opinion. Whereas, uh-huh. like, I totally, like, the mana short one makes sense to me that it taps all their lands. Like, the, the old one makes sense that it's, like, stealing the mana from the land. Mm-hmm. The mana short one makes sense that it's taking it from their pool. Because, like... You could definitely make the argument by the time it's in the mana pool that, like, that's basically you. Like, you're mm-hmm. effectively, you know what I mean? It's you're, in you. Yeah, it's in you. And that's definitely what the 7th edition one's doing. 
But, but I probably will buy the fourth. I mean, whenever I can, I buy the oldest version possible. Unless the art is horrendous. And yeah. like, so for example, like fifth edition. So like you were saying how you would buy like the stasis. You'd buy the, the new stasis versus the old stasis because the text box is cleaner. I actually, in a world where they're priced the same, I prefer the old, like the worst text box where it looks worse. It's gotcha. formatted worse. And not because I want to like, older. people. It looks older. Yeah. It's yeah. like, I think it, it harkens back to a, like a more primitive time in magic and there it's cool. The lack of elegance that existed in, you know, phrasing cards. Yeah. The, uh, not that I don't know what stasis does, but I, I can't stand when my cards don't do what they say they do. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, if there was like a legit errata to it that changed it, that would be one thing. And I don't like it when the, the wording is unclear. So, like, not that it's unclear in the older ones, but it's a little more jumbled. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, if you look at the 5th edition one, the text and the format, like, so, like, I'm on the uh, the TCG page, page, and we've got the secret layer drop, which I'm assuming is the most recent printing. And then we've got the 5th edition. Yeah, which is, I, whatever. Um, And the text in there is very, very similar. So, like, the 5th edition one is almost using the current text. Mm-hmm. It also says Barry, which I fucking love, and I wish they never got rid of. Although, to be fair, it's also using Barry incorrectly. So, sort of. Well, so that's a little weird. Did Barry, was Barry, was Barry only in reference to creatures? Uh, Barry is destroy, and it and can't, it be, can't regenerated. be regenerated. Yeah. There's a difference between be- destroying something and sacrificing it. Even oh, it's true. Yeah, because you could it, because you could give you could give states indestructible. Correct. There's effects that like won't allow you to sacrifice things, stuff like yeah. that. Um, but yeah, the biggest one would obviously be stasis is indestructible, and if no, it's I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't have to pay. Yeah, now I don't have to pay. Whereas that's why you sacrifice it. So it is a technically different thing. And then they so if you look back at the the fourth edition mm. one, it's d- during your upkeep, pay blue or destroy it. Yeah, <laughs> the one before that and or unlimited, so two sets before that, pay it or it's destroyed. What's alpha? What alpha say? Alpha is alpha berry. Uh, no, alpha's berry was destroyed. Yeah, alpha's destroyed, but again, it's destroyed, but it could in theory be regenerated. Uh huh. But that's I. There's times where like they say stuff like this card is discarded. But so all by we dis- have to do, but it's discarded to, from play. We have to give. We have to make stasis a creature. That's pretty easy, opalescent. And then we have to give it something that allows me to regenerate it. There's a card called, uh, if I remember correctly, it's just called regenerate or regeneration. There you go. Yeah, just regeneration. Except, two grand enchantment. And now it's now it's sacrifice, isn't it? We, yeah. We, like, yeah. Yeah, it's sacrifice. That's the the current text. Yeah. <clears throat> So. But yeah, I'll probably I I try and get the oldest I can that's affordable, and I do like it when I like I, said, I like the old kind of clunky text. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, said, have... I I bought the uh, when they came out with the the couple planeswalkers that they they like they took like three fairy and they made him an old plane as if he were formatted from you know if he was printed in Mirage. Yeah. I have those two fairies and I love them. It's I I think it's funny and hilarious how <laughs> laughably gross it is trying to read what this card does. Yep. Biggest thing with me is, unless I play a deck a lot, I want to be able to look down and read my card and know exactly what it does. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> Which yeah, is why I'd, I'd never buy cards in a different language either. I definitely won't go into like because I mean, there are they, there are people who do it, and you're allowed to do whatever you want. But like they'll run their deck in Japanese because it gives you a strategic advantage, and it yeah. does because yep. there are people who will look at a card and they will think they know what a card does, and they'll well, be wrong. Something as simple as moving it. a colon can entirely change the way a card plays. Yep. I did see a Reddit post one day where a, t- a dude had to call for, uh, he had to call a judge for Oracle text on his own card because he was playing uh, Mystical. Oh, what's the what's the one blue blue blue? Cryptic command. Cryptic command. He was he was running Cryptic command, but he had the borderless Cryptic command, and he couldn't remember the wording on it, so he had to get an Oracle text on his own card. <laughs> I bet you he probably remembered the most. Now, if I'm just guessing, I didn't watch it or whatever. But the the order that they're in there actually does matter because yeah, it resolves it, in that order. It resolves in order. So he's probably it's, like, what order are they in? <laughs> yep. But it's just that's very funny. It's a very, hey, judge, what does my card do? <laughs> right. Because I know I can tap all creatures and opponent controls. I know I can draw a card. I know I can counter a spell. And I know I can uh, I think bounce a permanent. Something like that, yeah. And it's like the most common thing is just it's just dismiss, just counter spell and draw a card. Yep. But it's just like the order of these resolve and really matters. It can. So yeah, I thought it was funny. But yeah, I uh, I built the deck the way I would like it, and then I I had the deck built on Moxfield, and I'll as we tinker with it, I'll change it on here. But I'll probably start if I if I keep playing it and I keep feeling like I really enjoy it, I'll I'll probably start buying these cards. Yep. I'm looking forward to getting a run of stasis. I'm getting I'm, I'm looking forward to getting a run stasis. It is fun. It is fun just playing stasis and be like, island, go. Island, go. Just your turn. I'm, can we just... Because that's how I feel like I, I get into uh, like control mirrors on Arena or on MTGO. And like we just don't play Magic for the five, first five turns, and it's perfect. <laughs> and the only thing that's better than that is when like I'm getting to not play Magic, and you're being forced to not play Magic. Because the problem with the control mirrors, we're both happy to be doing it. But in this... I'm enjoying not playing Magic. I'm just getting my land drops and getting a bunch of cards in my hand, whereas my opponent is like, boy, I wish I could fucking play this uh, this wild this wild mongrel, but I uh, need to draw another land. Yeah, when your cards read, uh, draw two cards for the paltry cost of untapping two islands. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, Gush oh, is pretty good. So good. So much fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this weekend doing that. I'm looking forward to coming and playing some more pre-modern and maybe recording. We'll see. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I want to talk about this week on our episode, unless something unless there's something that you want to talk about, is I'm sure everyone that listens, because they only listen because they give a shit about us, is interested in what my new job is like. Because I kind of left everyone on a cliffhanger that things weren't working out at our old job, and I had gotten a new job working on a farm, and I was really excited about it, and so what's going on? So... I've never worked on a dairy farm. Uh, it's all the jobs that we do are pretty simple. There's basically three positions. There's front milker, there's back milker, and there's feeder. And I mostly do feeding, and it's actually pretty nice. Feeding is very, it's very simple. It's All the jobs are very simple, but it's very straightforward. You work alone a lot, which I kind of like working alone, but I put some headphones in and just kind of do my thing. And it's mm-hmm. all operating machinery. It's just it's just being an equipment operator. Like because I'm feeding, so we have a mixer that we mix all of our own food. And so like we put corn silage and uh, maybe like soy soybean holes and some alfalfa silage and which for anyone who doesn't know, silage is just a fermented feed. 
So they take like corn stalks or hay or alfalfa and they ferment it, which is like it. I mean, if you, I'm assuming people know what fermenting is, but basically you let it kind of pseudo rot, but in a oxygen starved environment. So it's not like molding and rotting. There's bacteria in there and uh, whatnot, breaking it down and yada, yada. It smell for perspective. It smells very sour. The, the mm-hmm. feed smells very sour, uh, but the cows love it. It's great. It's very healthy for them. But, you know, the, the mixture because we have, they can't digest it as I, well from the get-go? I assume it is to help make it more digestible. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure, but I assume. Because uh, cows obviously can eat, they can survive on grass, uh, but I'm guessing this break, breaks the, the, the plant fibers down a little bit more and allows them to digest it a little more readily. But couldn't tell you. So we're not, it's not a huge operation by any means. But for perspective, the mixer we have can handle 12,000 pounds of feed and mixing it. And uh, the first group I feed, I usually run through about eight, nine or 10,000 pounds. The second group is usually, you know, 11 or 12,000 pounds. And then the, the remaining groups are pretty small. The remaining groups are usually only, you know, three or 4,000 pounds each. But over the course of a morning, I'll feed... 20,000 pounds of food out mm-hmm. and so it's just it's all it's in a bobcat or a skid loader scooping it into the thing mixing it up with the tractor and then driving around delivering it it's very simple it's very easy that all being said this last week has been kind of rough because where we live in indiana we have been experiencing quite the cold snap it's been it a little been, chilly <laughs> uh, approximately negative five every day and with wind chills uh, it's been feeling like negative 30 so it's been kind of rough on the farm. Everything's kind of old and as is typical with the farms, old and kind of broke down and kind of holding on and uh, things have been breaking a little quicker with the cold, but we're slowly coming out of it. As for front milking, front milking's not too bad. It's uh, there's a I, I'm assuming most people have seen a milking operation on television, but maybe they haven't. But it's just we have two little straight runs. They hold eight cows each. The cows come in. Uh, they don't get like locked in place or anything. They kind of they kind of all get filed in, and there's not a ton of room for them, but they can move around and whatnot a little bit. They, I, you know, we clean their udders off, we clean their teats off, we prep them, we kind of squeeze a little bit of milk out to make sure they're giving good milk and they're ready to be milked, and then we hook a machine up to them that uh, it just has one sucker for each little teat, and it sucks milk out of them until basically it basically it pulls milk until the machine starts to like notice that no milk is coming. So like once the cow stops producing milk, it detaches itself and pulls off. Then we give them a little dip in soap to help make sure they're all nice and clean and healthy, and we send them on their way, and then we do that for 200 cows a day. So each individual is pretty simple and easy. It's just a matter of like you just do it nonstop over and over and over. And mm-hmm. the only thing that sucks about that job is a lot of times you run by yourself and eventually i will be fast enough i'm sure but right now i'm just not fast enough that there's no downtime Uh, that and by that i mean i would love to be able to get everyone like have the milkers always running the machines but Mm -hmm. once i get like group a milking and then i group b's done so i run them out i bring a new one in i go through i clean them i strip them and i hook them up by the time i get group b hooked up group a's already been done and waiting for you know a couple minutes and yeah. so there's no downtime there's no like i take a breather other than you're allowed to these are just rules that i impart on myself like no one would get mad if i like took a breather and like went and got a drink and just the cows stand for a few more minutes but my goal is to get them going so that there's no downtime and i can't quite get there not yeah. yet 
Hey, you'll get there. It's uh, only been a couple weeks. Yeah, and I, I honestly probably want. I don't even know if I'll do milking that much. I kind of wanted to do milking. Uh, milking starts a little later in the morning, so feeding is four in the morning. Milking is four forty-five. But we'll see. I do kind of like feeding. Feeding's really nice. And when you're talking about that early in the morning, those forty-five minutes matter so they do. much. Oh, it's a. I got to. Yeah, I woke up one day because I had back milking, but I set the wrong alarm, and I woke up at the uh, at three o'clock, and I was like, oh my gosh, I get to sleep until four. <laughs> I'm back to sleep. Uh, the other job is back milking. The back milker is just the one who brings the pens up and gets them separated because they're separated into one, two, three, four, five pens that get milked every day. So their job is to bring them up, and you know, while the cows are up, we kind of clean the pens out, wash them, reset them with sawdust and whatnot, and get them ready. That job, it the back milking and front milking are kind of labor intensive. There's a decent bit of work to be done, and then feeding is no work whatsoever there's one or two times where you might be scraping out the feed from yesterday on some of the outside cows but there mm-hmm. is almost no work to be done it's the hardest part of that job is climbing in and out of the tractor the uh the, the fun part of the job is every day the you get to feed the calves and that's a pretty fun thing to do it's a little more fun when it's not negative 20 degrees outside most things are but it is kind of fun getting to go in you mix up there's a milk supplement they a milk replacer they use and you go in and you mix all the milk replacer and you go feed them and you know you, they have little holders in them but you can hand feed them if you want and there's almost always new calves that have just been born last day or two and we keep them inside and they need to be hand fed and taken care of and it's, it's kind of fun feeding them um i don't have children but i have heard uh, a comedian talk about the premise of how frustrating it is that your child won't eat and you have to make your child eat and it's very difficult and while i don't have children and i haven't experienced that specifically it does drive me crazy when i have these calves that i you have to drink you have to drink milk and they won't they're just like fuck you i don't want to mm-hmm. <laughs> just trying to shove it down their mouth i mean like because sometimes they won't and the alternative is like if a calf doesn't drink for a day or two you tube them you stick a big metal tube down their throat into their stomach and you force it into their stomach yeah because you have to eat you have to eat so um, I am very much enjoying it. I it's it's more work than my last job, and it's worse conditions, and it's a worse schedule. You know, I'm working in the mornings, I'm working in the cold. Um, the job is harder, but I it's really nice work. It's just a different mentality working on a farm than working in a like a really high end uh, commercial setting. We we did residential, but just the idea of like selling our services and like getting stuff taken care of and being able to fix stuff and solve problems. And I'm really enjoying it. I'm, like I said, I've kind of transitioned a little bit, and I'm kind of hoping I do get to stick to feeding a little bit more because I'm lazy and it's easy. But I like it. If anyone's curious, I like it very much. I'm ha- I'm having a good time. It's only a couple weeks in, so we'll see. The other nice thing about it is there's a lot of overtime, which right now in my life is very convenient because I have bills to pay and I'm kind of playing catch up on some stuff and I'm trying to trying to increase my fiscal responsibility. And a job that works me a lot of overtime will certainly help with that. Me and my wife are working some good jobs for some good pay, and we have a chance to start really playing catch-up and getting ahead of the game. You know the Um, other great thing about overtime? You know what you're not doing at work? Spending money. Spending money. money. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the more, the more, it's, with the job being a little, little harder, like I do a lot more of like, uh, you know, work, go home, go to sleep. And with this, I, I, I'm, it's funny. I'm actually sleeping a lot more on average than I was. So I use, I used to run on, 
I mean, probably like five or six hours of sleep. I would stay up until midnight, most at mo- midnight or one in the morning, and usually get up around, you know, between seven, seven thirty every day. And with this job, because my wife still works first shift, and she gets home around six thirty, and I would like to occasionally see my wife. I Lame. work a, I, I sleep on, I, I have a, I have a two phase sleep style, a bi phase sleep style where I will, I will go to bed around eleven o'clock with my wife. And I'll sleep for, you know, three-ish, four hours every night. I'll go to work. I come home. I'll eat some food. And then I'll lay down and I'll nap for two or three hours every day until Sarah gets home. And then we spend the evening together. So I'm sleeping on average seven or eight hours a night. And I've actually been really, really well rested lately. It's felt really good. I've, it's been easier to get up for work. It's been, I've been feeling like in better mood and it's a better mood. It's... Sleep is important, and I have been neglecting it for a while, and this job is helping me get back into a... It's a somewhat inconvenient sleep pattern, but it works well for the current situation, and it does get me more hours of sleep. Yeah, I mean, you're if you're sleeping... The trick is, like, the... One of the things I hate is when you get woken up in the middle of, like, a cycle, and you just feel worse. Like, that is you d- just wake up and you downside. feel like shit. <laughs> so, I, there's still a real a very real groggy phase for about 30 minutes to an hour after my nap. And so like every day now I'm just kind of groggy and shitty for like 30 minutes to an hour. Mm-hmm. And like, that is a definite downside to the sleep patterns. So, like if when Sarah gets home and wakes me up, cause it's time to get up and like, I'm just kind of half awake and not really feeling it for the first 30, 40 minutes. But once that passes, then it's good. And I'm really hoping cause I've only been doing it for a few weeks and it's been really inconsistent because I still work, like I had to work an evening shift this week. It's, it's kind of all over the place. I'm hoping with consistency that grogginess will go away, but we'll see. Yeah. But that's the, you know, that's the TLDR. That's the, the 20 minutes or less on the new job. And um, if anything interesting comes up, I'll let you guys know for sure. Like, for example, they're, they hired me and another guy. And the other guy's having a bit of a hard time, which it sucks, but it makes me look a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's it's working on a farm, things break. And you're going to break things. I've broken things. Um, I will say that the things I broke, I don't think were particularly my fault. They were things that broke because of the cold. But I was the one who, you know, broke them. But uh, so tomorrow I am feeding, but I don't have to go into work at 4 in the morning because the other guy who was there a little bit before me, uh, he was basically filling in before he got, like, full-time hired. Uh, he put new tires on the mixer. Like, he took them off. I think he took them to some store, got new tires put on, and put them back on. Mm-hmm. And apparently, when he put them back on, he didn't get them tight enough. And this guy, has a, this guy has a bit of a reputation already for kind of rushing things. So we don't know exactly what happened. But, obviously, that one of the tires, the, set, the lugs, sheared off. So the Shit. tire came off. So they were trying to, because there's several tires on this thing. So they were trying to limp it down to the shop to be able to put new lugs in it. And the other tire, or the other, like, like I think there's duels or whatever. But the others, they more broke. And it broke mm-hmm. and, like, and it fell over onto the road and did a bunch of damage to the bottom of it. And so our, our mixer is uh, out of commission for a couple of days while we, they order parts from Canada. So that we have sucks. to borrow. Yeah, it's not <laughs> great. So there's a, there's, a, there's a beef farm near us that we work with, and we can use their mixer. But, first of all, they get priority. They get to use it first, um, and they don't get done until around noon. And, whereas our mixer handles about 12,000 pounds, and I regularly fill it, theirs holds like three or 4,000 pounds. 
So it's way less efficient and it's way less convenient and we have to wait and it's way older and it's just way worse. Um, and it's like, I'm, the guy's not gonna get fired cause it's, it shit happens, whatever. But like I said, I just, I'm one of those people who I like look at a situation and I go, well, at least the bar is relatively low right now and it's easy to be a standout employee. Yeah, you didn't destroy one of the primary pieces of equipment. Yep. <laughs> so and it's funny. I was talking to Sarah about it. I was telling her the story, and her first response, which is a valid response, was, "Why don't you guys have a second one? Because this is mission critical equipment. Like, yep. I mean, like, I don't know what I, we have. In a, in essence, we do have like a, a stationary mixer that we could like. I don't think is. I don't think it's been turned on in over a year. But if it works, you could mix things in it." And then pour them on the ground, and you could try and scoop them up with a bucket and drive them around. It, it would be very difficult. The, the, this piece of machinery is critical to feeding the cows. Any kind of like balanced diet, like they're supposed to have. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, why don't you have a second one? Because she's right. You should. If you mission critical equipment, you should have a backup plan. The problem is this piece of equipment probably costs like fifty, sixty thousand dollars. Yep. Like you just, it's hard to have backups of a fifty-five, sixty thousand dollar piece of equipment. But this situation is a great example of like things do happen, things break, and we are just completely up a creek. Yeah, but what's That's important the kind of stuff that gets you fired? <laughs> there's two things that are important. One, I didn't do it, and two, it's pushing me to go into work at eight in the morning tomorrow, which puts me on closer to a first shift schedule, which is what I want anyway. Right. Like I would yeah. love to go work every day from like eight to four. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's basically what I'm gonna do tomorrow. I can tell you, it's pretty nice. Yeah, yeah. So that wraps up. That wraps up what I want to talk about. Uh, the new job, Matt. Was there anything else you wanted to discuss this week? Nothing in particular. All right. Well, I'm sure we'll think of something to talk about for the Patreon exclusive content. I didn't shout out our patrons this week. You scrub. Well, patrons, I deeply apologize. Please roast me in the Discord because um, I don't. I don't even have the, the sheet with me and. I will read all of your names twice next week, I promise. Um, and as I won't even advertise the Discord or the, the Patreon. So uh, we'll skip over all that. Um, if you guys want to reach out to us and have, ask us any questions or talk to us about anything or give a shit about being stupid, reach us uh, at cantripcartel at gmail.com. We have a Facebook group. We have an Instagram, a Twitter. I, we have access to all of them. I get notifications. If you send us something, I will read it or Matt will read it. Um, we should be we should be having an episode up next week as long as nothing crazy happens. So, uh, unless I'm forgetting anything, I think we will see you guys next week. Yep, have a nice night, guys. Welcome, step on in to the Cantrip Cartel. Chicken match, chatting meta games, or slinging some spells, casting L, sipping on blue soup, and parting some veils. Glimpse of nature once upon a time, they're telling the tale of the elvish visionaries on the wildwood prairies, where the brainstorms of Sophia, some so scary, so legendary. Queer and rangers scrounge the sylvan libraries, where the greens and zenith would parry the clouds and turn their swords into plows. Let them rotate the crops, abundant growth in the ground. Nourish the life from the loam until it flourished unbound. Seeds of innocence burnished all the birch lorian mounds. Gaia's cradle exhaled, carpet of Flowers unwound, birds of paradise sang, tropical islands of sound, Allosaurus shepherd danced on dinosaurs stopping grounds, Jake and Matt pondered deeply all this magic they found, through their visions, doused in serum, they saw only for how, to convey these magic stories aloud, to the crowds, the masses, make the voices heard, share the truth, the magic, through ancestral visions, they felt compelled to draw every single card with the cantrip cartel, draw cards with the cantrip cartel, Strong cards with the Cantrip Cartel.